This is your host, Dr. Mesma Shabazz. Good afternoon, everyone. I am so, so thrilled to have Shilpa with me this afternoon. Uh, she's a guest and I haven't met her, didn't know her before this time, but I'm so, so grateful because a, a mutual friend introduced us and uh, here we are. Welcome, Shilpa. Thank you so much, Mansi. And I feel like even though we haven't met, I feel like I already know you now. We do, I think. <laughs> the conversation we had over the phone and you just have such a warm, welcoming and a very, very sweet personality. Uh, and you. we're actually seeing each other for the first time today. <laughs> yes, we are. And when I talked to you, we were just going off feeling on each other's uh, comments and it just flowed like we've known each other for years, right? Absolutely. This is wonderful. So as I was thinking about how to start this conversation, et cetera, one thing that came to mind was the fact that as an entrepreneur, we have gone through two years of closure, et cetera. What do you take away from that experience because of COVID, right? Yes. So I own and operate my own business. I actually have two spas called Massage Envies that I own. And for us as an industry, we were hit quite a bit. Mm -hmm. We were asked by the uh, state and our townships and stuff like that, that we need to close shop. And it came out of nowhere. So it was not planned for. It's one of those uh, things that just come out of you from nowhere and you just have to deal with it. And I remember the very early days of COVID, they kept talking about, you know, that it's going to be another, it's going to be a closure for maybe two weeks, you know, then we'll open two up. <laughs> and then it became two months, you know, and then for another, you know, few, few months. And we at that point had to take a lot of decisions, you know, as to how are we going to deal with not just, you know, the stop in the income, you know, that comes through every month. Mm -hmm. We are a membership-based model. So we have people paying in every month for their membership, but we cannot service them. Right. So do we put a freeze on those payments? Do we not collect or do we continue to collect and accrue those services? So we had a lot of those type of decisions we needed to make from a business perspective. And there was a waiting game. So we were waiting to see what we needed to do. But through that, you see, I feel that what it did is it gave us a little bit of pause. Yes. It gave us some time. Yes. We are always running this rat race. You know, <laughs> to do with I know one that so well. <laughs> accomplish one thing. That time period gave us such a beautiful pause. It made us reset. And I am extremely grateful, you know, for that pause and that time to look into myself, look into who I am as a person, what is it that I want to do? Because I made big changes after COVID in my own personal life, in the way I run my business. And I think uh, COVID for me came at probably, I would say, an opportune time. I know it's interesting for you to probably hear why was it, you know, it's such a dark period and so many people suffered. Why would I look at it as an opportune time is because it was a time when my daughter was applying for colleges. You yeah. know, so it's that time where everyone is on top of their children. You need to write all your essays. You need to do your SATs and, you know, all that stuff. It gave me a lot of time with her. 
Right. So, because I run such a, I'm always on the run, I'm always on the go, I'm always like doing things. Because it was total shutdown, it gave me time to spend time with her. And I think as a family, we became so close with each other. That you is know? beautiful. That is yes. beautiful. I am so grateful that it, when it happened, it happened where I could maximize my time. I could talk to uh, her. We would go out on long walks. We, we decided, you know, or she wanted to like, because, you know, with kids at that age, they don't know what they want to do, which majors they want to do, which schools they want to apply to. So it gave us a lot of time to do our research, to spend time with each other to for her to get to know who we are as not just mom and dad (laughs) but how we came about the stories that we told her both my husband and I it brought us a lot more closer to each other so so then was yes so then there was a deeper experience that emerged from this closure that we all had to deal with right absolutely that's wonderful now you talk you are an architect Yes. By trade, right? That is my background. I did my architecture in London mm-hmm. and I came to the United States and uh, I was very, very, again, lucky uh, that I was able to find an amazing mentor in Boston. His name is Peter Quinn. That was my first job to work for Peter in uh, Cambridge, Boston. Oh, that's nice. That's a pretty area. Yeah, beautiful area. Beautiful area. And I remember I came here in 1999 and finding opportunities for someone who was from overseas and didn't have a lot of experience in this field was a little challenging. But I remember going to the interview and talking to Peter and he asked me a few basic questions and he said, so do you know what a two by four is? And I'm like, sorry, (laughs) I didn't know what a two by four was. I had just landed in the country. I didn't know what that meant. And he was like, oh my God, how am I going to hire someone who doesn't know the basics of construction or how to put things together? And I said, you know, I don't know all this because, you know, our our type of construction back home and even in school, we learned was different. You know, we did a lot of work, a lot of cavity walls, bricks. So I don't know a lot about wood construction or steel construction, but I will learn. If you teach me, I am going to learn. <laughs> That's nice because we all have an immigrant story, right? Yes. And I, I can tell you many of, a, for example, simple things like flashlight and torchlight, a blender and um, a mixer. Right. All those little things can throw you off completely. Yes. And, yes. and it's interesting that we get into these conversations and we meet people who really embrace us for who yes. we are. Absolutely. I still tell everybody that Ben grew in the ranks with him. I did a lot of work. I relocated. I have been doing architecture for almost 18 years. I've built a lot of gyms and I have done a lot of retail outfits and shopping centers. And now I know so much about this field and how things are put together. And it's all because someone took the time to teach me. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. We're always grateful for (laughs) The people who light up our paths, right? Yes. So that's beautiful. Now you have Massage Envy now in Connecticut? Yes, in Connecticut. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about that business? Yes. Uh, So Massage Envy is a franchise brand and we got into Massage Envy in 2010. What happened was 
I was still working as an architect. My husband was in the software engineering, you know, computer sciences field. And we had reached you know, sort of like a plateau in our own jobs specifically. And my husband more so than I, you know, he was like, I need to move up. I need to do something. And what should I do? What's the next thing for me? Maybe I need to get an MBA. Maybe I need to you know, look at other business opportunities. In 2010, if, I, if, I, if you remember, was a 2008, 2009, that time frame was a little uh, difficult. You know, recession was hitting and we were having uh, issues with like mortgages, subprime and all those things were happening and banks weren't lending a lot of money. A lot of people were losing their jobs, you know, so it was a very challenging time and we wanted to do something different. <laughs> so we looked at different opportunities. He did, you know, want to, uh, he looked at getting an executive MBA and, you know, we were thinking about, you know, all our savings, you know, putting it into education and we were calculating, analyzing what the return on investment would be there versus maybe looking at owning businesses. At that very same time, Massage Envy had entered the Connecticut market, you know, so it's a brand, uh, it's a franchise brand that has over 1,100 locations nationwide. Okay. And I Massage didn't know that. Envy, yeah, it's a, it's a very big brand. And what it did is it actually took Massage and it brought it to the masses. So it was a pioneer in their industry where they were able to create this membership model very much based on gym membership where mm -hmm. you pay a monthly fee and you get an hour session and you can use that session for massage. You can use it for facials. You can use it for stretch. So you as, an, as a consumer have the opportunity to use it however you like, you know? Okay. So that's kind of the premise of Massage Envy. So when they came to Connecticut, they were looking at an architect, you know, they were looking for an architect to build, help their franchisees design their locations, get the permits and get them kind of going in Connecticut. And my firm at that time was approached by the regional developer of Massage Envy and she wanted us to look at designing it. And my boss gave me that, that opportunity. He said, That's you know, nice. here is a project. Start meeting all these uh, franchisees, see what, they what they're looking for, get uh, some of their needs, and let's start designing these. And we started with the first location. I think it was the Milford location. And then we did uh, Brookfield. We did Glastonbury. So I started meeting all these wonderful owners. And everyone had a beautiful story. No one came from the massage background. <laughs> no one came from that background. And I was, you know... I would come back home and I would tell my husband about, oh, I met the owner of this location and he's, he's in insurance and he's now trying to do his own business. And I met the owner of that location and he's a cop, you know, so there was all these, you know, like stories that, you know, came out and, uh, you know, he and I would talk about maybe this is a, and I told him, I said, maybe we should look into this business. I know you want to make a change. So let's look into the massage envy business and see if we, if this is something that is good for us. Okay, so you started that way. Now you made a, a very interesting comment in when I was reading your bio, and you said there is an accident in all of us. Absolutely. What did you mean by that? I feel all of us human beings, you know, we are 
that we have you know, a sense of aesthetic that we like. Mm-hmm. We get gravitated towards that aesthetic. You know, when you go out to do shopping or you go out to, let's say you go out to home goods, there's a certain style you gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. When you go out and you're visiting museums, there's a certain style of painting that you gravitate. You feel warm. You feel, you, you like it a little bit more. You feel comfortable in that. Similarly, when you go into space or into, I mean, into building and into a, a, a specific space, there is a certain style that makes you feel very comfortable. Some people like a lot of color. Some people like monotone. As an architect, I have a style. You know, I have a very unique style and I like to do things that way because that's what makes me comfortable. But if I were to just lay my style all on you and say, okay, this is how it should be, it's probably, it, it's going to be nice because when you've got it designed by an architect and you feel good about it, you know, and all that, but is it going to make you feel as comfortable? Okay. So I so. always believe my philosophy is my job is to find out what you feel comfortable in. What is your aesthetic? What is something that you want to achieve? And then I pull that out and then I'm able to draft that and I'm able to put that on paper for you. So a lot of my work with my clients used to be a lot of talking to them, asking them questions. Show me your inspiration. What what is it that you like? What what is it something that you gravitate towards? So as you're saying that, my mind is going on to all oh, some things I could ask you about privately later, right? Of course, you know, of course. so we can we can see what we come up with later. I'm I'm excited about this. <laughs> you talk about the partnership with your husband because when we, we are in our own businesses and you know as entrepreneurs and stuff, there are units within that right it could be with your spouse it could be with your parents it could be with your children yeah there are so many different dynamics out there how is yours working out for you i am very blessed i am extremely lucky and i really feel that without my husband's help and him being a partner we wouldn't be where we are today we both are very different people we complement each other. You know, a lot of people who see us say that, you know, you make a very good uh, couple, you make a very good uh, unit together because you know, we bring that the opposites, like they say they attract. Right. That's exactly what it is with us. So his, he's a very analytical person. He reads a lot, you know. He's always uh, constantly trying to upgrade himself knowledge-wise. You know, what can I learn? You know, what, what is something new I can do? Oh, he and um, I will get along very well. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and maybe one day, you know, you you both can speak as well. His uh, and his, I would say, his uh, strength is in finance. So he's very good with numbers. He's very good at math. So what happens is numbers kind of just sit within him. So there is a part of the business, you know, the financial aspect of it. When it comes to like managing the money, he's very good at it. Okay. My strengths lie in people management. I have a little softer approach with with everyone. So I have with with employees, managing the employees, a building culture. That's my strength. So that's something that I would do in the business. So we kind of together are able to work very well and bring all those different aspects. And the good thing is both of us are mature where we can rely on each other. So we do that a lot. That's very Um, nice. There are some skills that he has and I'm like, you know, you need to do this. And then he'll say this part you need to do. And then very righteously, we both put in the work and then we, we, we make it happen. 
Well, because, you know, sometimes when we're talking about women's power, et cetera, people think that we, we're trying to exclude men, right? But that, that is not the idea. The <laughs> yeah. idea is standing in our own power to do our thing. But the partnerships are very important as well. Yeah, and, and they're powerful, right? So nice. there's only so much we can do. And at, the, at any given day or at any given time, there's so much that comes, you know, that comes that you have to handle. So it's always nice if you have someone you can rely on and say, okay, you know, this part, let, let him handle or let her handle while I do something else. Yeah, and, and, and in our world, nobody gets to the top by themselves. Absolutely. Right? It takes a village. <laughs> so we all have to rely on it. Someone really important and glad it's your husband uh, that you I'm, I'm lucky. this one. Yeah, very lucky. <laughs> so we talk about women, women's empowerment, etc. And you described yourself, which I thought was very interesting, daughter, wife, mom, and entrepreneur and world traveler. So let's 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 expand this a little bit, right? <laughs> daughter. Why did that come first? I came into this world, you know, born to a wonderful pair of parents. Like my, my parents are still, you know, standing by me, always encouraging me. They've always shown me what it is to be a good human being. You, yeah, yeah. How, how to be, it's, it's not always about getting success or just, you know, like being first or, you know, the competition or anything like that. They, they taught me what it means to be a good human being. And a lot of it is because that's how they are. They're very good people. Consistently giving more and more and more of themselves to the world. I have watched my father, you know, being so respected in the community. You know, everybody knows him, loyal. He's been with the same company for the last 45 years. Still like very, very stable. And any questions anyone wants, anything that any help they want, they come to my father, Mr. Bolaki, and He's there helping them out. He'll, he's a guy who will give a shirt off his back to help someone. And then my mom, mom my, and my mother. Oh, my goodness. She is an amazing woman. And she is uh, someone who has so much innate power within her. Mm-hmm. that And she didn't work. She spent her time taking care of us, taking care of the community. She still volunteers, gives a lot of her time for new things. Like she... Our language that we speak, mother tongue, as they right. say in, in India, is, uh, is Sindhi. It's a dying language. Nobody, you know, wants to use it. Everybody speaks English or, you know, there are other languages that they kind of gear towards and it's dying. And right. she's like, no, we shouldn't let it die. So at her age now, she's like holding classes on Zoom. She's like, I'm going to create an environment where if people are interested, would they want to learn, I'm going to teach them. Similarly with Vedic scriptures and things like that, she's very spiritual, has attended a lot of these beautiful um, spiritual meetings. And as a kid, she used to take me and my brother there all the time. You know, she was like, however young, I don't want you to think you're, you're a teenager, so this doesn't apply to you. I'll only go when you, you, you can only go when you get old. You need to learn how to be a good person from your young age, you know. So once again, I have someone I can talk about Vedic scripture because I teach world religions. And so I am exposed to Hinduism 
And we'll talk about that as we go further. But you also mentioned that you're a world traveler. And that is another aspect that I'm familiar with. I used to travel all the time, especially when I was much younger, because, you know, I was born in Ghana. And for my first trips were on the West Coast of Africa. So a group of us decided to drive from Ghana to Nigeria and Mm -hmm. back. And we went through all the other countries in between. Countries. It was one of the best things I'd ever done. And then we left and went, I went to Europe um, ah, and lived there for, and I traveled all over the place. I, I just hop on a night train from Rome to <laughs> Geneva and just like that. It was so fun, much fun. So I tell me about your yeah, world traveling. I think traveling per se is amazing, isn't it? You learn so much and the experiences that you get are the memories that you, you know, make and you, you know, bring home with you are just unbelievable. So I was uh, born in India and when I was about two years old, my father got his uh, job in Oman. So Oman is in the Middle East and I went uh, to Oman and I stayed there till I was 15 years old. And while we were in Oman, we would travel to UAE where Dubai mm-hmm. is, you know, we've seen the growth of Dubai. And right. how <laughs> amazing. I haven't had the privilege to go there yet, but I will one day. You will love it. I, I know. I will. Right. The biggest, the best, they want to hit all the records, you know, so. Right. <laughs> so that's another, that's, that's wonderful. And then after, when I, after that, when I finished, when I was 15, I told my parents, I need to go for college and I want to go to India for college, you know, because even though I would go and see my grandparents who lived in India every year, I just wanted to spend some time and I wanted to be independent. So I wanted to stay in a hostel and go to school there. And I did that. I got the freedom to go and choose where I would like to go to. I went and attended school in India. In India, I traveled quite a bit. Part of our architecture classes were to go to the north of India. There was a trip where we went to all the temples and we saw all these, you know, there's so much art and architecture there. And there's so much you can learn from the history of India because it's such a vibrant country. Yes, it is. There's so much color. There's so much. It's so eclectic. Have you ever been to India? Not yet. Not yet. You know, so you I'm looking should be on to, a list. Right. I should, I should add it to my list. <laughs> Please um, do. It's amazing. And uh, there's so much to see. And then we did the South India trip. And then I went and finished my school in, in, uh, in London. So I was able to see a lot of London, quite a bit of Europe, you know. And, and then I got married and I came to the United States. So uh, when we came here... We made like a wish, like our, our list, our, we, had a, we wanted to cover all 50 states. We said, okay, you know what? Uh, we're young <laughs> and right. this is a time where we can actually do it. So we couldn't quite complete our list, but I think uh, we, were, we have done about 32 states now so wow. far. So we still have a few more to go. <laughs> That's impressive. That's impressive. Um, I thought, you know, I've been to a few states, so I won't compare that. But my favorite states are in the West, you know, like yes. New Mexico and California, two of my favorites. We are actually, we, we went there last uh, in October to California, and then we're going again in another two weeks to Carlsbad for a conference. 
Oh, okay. That's yeah. nice. That's nice. I'm very, very happy you're doing that. And yes. uh, maybe I'll tag along one day. No, Please, yes. <laughs> through this conversation, I'm, I'm really finding all the things, you know, that I could do with with your you and your family. So I would love, love for you to join. That's exciting. So that's exciting. Yes. Now, and this is a very important conversation that I think women should have that as we go around the world and we have different traditions, different cultures, etc. But I think women in general have similar experiences. We go through certain challenges, difficulties, etc. Only because we've been entrusted with the care and nurturing of everyone else. And alongside comes the station where we do for everyone else first before we even look at ourselves because that's the demand it's not that we prefer it it's just the way things are yeah so in your reflection of all the places you've been and even from India what are some helpful strategies from your experience that women should know and really use can take advantage of to ease their challenges in some way I think the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is don't be afraid to ask for help. I think most of us, you know, and of course, we can do it all. Women can do anything that comes to their mind. You know, if you put your mind to it, there's nothing that's going to stop you. But it's, it's okay to ask for help. I think one of the things that I have always felt that has always helped me a lot as a, not just as a woman, but as a person is planning. So planning for planning or visualizing what that trip needs to look like or what that travel needs to look like or or even like going somewhere, if you can visualize everything that, you know, you might be wanting to do and planning it out, it's easy to kind of get done. And then the other thing that I have noticed or some of the challenges that kind of sometimes come across, there are so many things that you can't like, again, plan for, even though you want to plan for, there will be some unforeseen challenges. It's okay for things to not just go as per plan. Sometimes it's just, I have learned, and this is something uh, based on my personality. When I was younger, I wanted everything to be perfect. You know, <laughs> everything should happen by this, you know, by this time and da, 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 da. And I realized as I started growing that if I want to have, an, when I said ask for help, like I would ask, I can, I ask my husband for help or I'll ask my daughter for some help. And you know, together as a team, we get a lot more accomplished. But I've, I've realized as I've, grow, as I've grown up is that it's okay when things don't go the way you want them to go. Right. Have the patience and you put it out there. If it works, it works. Put it in the universe. If it doesn't, there's a reason for it. Right. And therefore we can retrace and start over again, right? Absolutely. It's not the end of the world when something exactly. doesn't go our way. Exactly. Because perfectionism can also take joy out of doing things absolutely yeah sometimes over planning or being too you know too uh, it can induce some stress and or you might put stress on other people who you're traveling with or you or anything you know you're working it could be work right yeah it could be work or relationships exactly so to me I always now this is something that I have worked on by just saying okay now relax I put it out there this needs to get done or we need to accomplish this but I don't put a time, you know, frame on it. If it needs to happen, if, and sometimes things just happen very fast. Sometimes things take time and then we just, you know, live with it. So in other words, go with the flow? Go with the flow, exactly. I like that. I like you that. Took, um, you took that from my mouth. <laughs> so, right out of my mouth. Now, 
you have a young daughter. Yes. I have a daughter too. So you how know, old I, is she? She's in her late thirties. Oh, that's wonderful. Right. So, you know, she's <laughs> she's getting out there, you know. And I wanted to check young women also experiencing a whole different set of things, right? Because from my age to my daughter's to yours, technology just I remember <laughs> when we we used the slide rule. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They don't even know what that is. <laughs> I, I know there are a lot of people who are wondering what is a slide rule. Uh, and from there, things have, my okay. God, blown out of imagination. I think it's wonderful, right? Yes. But with the speed with which people get information to also lies mm-hmm. some challenges. Of so course. what do we tell young girls? What would you tell your daughter to look out for? I tell her that as far as like information or technology goes, to take use, to take advantage of everything that you have out there, but don't get so wrapped up in it. Like, you know, there is, there is a lot of, I I think with my daughter specifically, she is not too glued to the social media aspect of things, you know? I'm not sure why, like she hasn't, you know, like she doesn't, she has Instagram, but doesn't like really keep up with it too much or or like Facebook, she's not really on it. I think she keeps herself very busy with other things. But to a lot of people who get very involved in it, or who probably use that as a medium to get, what's the word I'm looking for? To, you know, to kind of get the endorsement, like, you know, that they're doing well, or they have so many people who, because of their comments or something, it, it kind of makes or breaks their day. Right. To, to, to them, I would say that, Start looking within yourself because there is so much that you have within you. You don't need other people to make you feel a certain way. Sometimes what happens is too much information is, is, is you know, can, can harm you. Balance it out. Your balance out the amount of time you're spending in front of the screen. Use technology in the best way it can, but don't get so dependent on it that, you, you know, you can't problem solve otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. I understand that perfectly. So we're telling young girls out there to really begin the process of getting to know who they are. Absolutely. And I appreciate that. Absolutely. It's so important that they do that. That's good. Now, spiritual practice. I tell my clients, everyone I've worked with, that they have to have some form of spiritual practice. It doesn't matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. But there has to be that divinely sourced interaction and or process mm-hmm. to help us deal with what we go through in this environment. What is yours? I have blind faith in my God. And I feel that if I, so, so my relationship with God is like he's my best friend. Mm-hmm. He is uh, he knows what needs to happen. Uh, He is going to help carve the way for me. Like he's going to pave the way for me rather. He is going to do whatever happens in my life. If it goes a certain way, I'm like, there's some grace in it. There's some, there's some reason why this is happening. I tend to do a lot of introspection. So I will introspect. I will look And I will take some time to kind of think about why certain things happen this way. And I look at my life and I can't tell you how blessed and unlucky I feel. And it's because of blind faith. I have faith 
I'm always, to me, I think it's more about, you know, positively, like, you know, positive thinking of having positive vibes, you know, right. having that, you know, whenever negative thoughts come in my mind, I'm like, okay, let's, you know, revamp that, that thought process and say, why am I feeling these negative feelings? Mm-hmm. How do I turn this to become a positive feeling? I pray and I pray within myself. I may not be standing there or, you know, like in front of the statue or the, in the temple, but I feel that consistently I'm saying thank you to God. You know, thank you so much. You know, you're so amazing. This happened today because of, you know, your uh, blessings. That's beautiful. That now, consistent thanking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, it's the consistency that generates that uh, yes. place of faith. Yes. Because then it eliminates the doubts about this happening or not exactly. happening or whatever. Exactly. Right? Now exactly. you talked about Hinduism and my daughter says I'm becoming a Hindu now because uh, oh. <laughs> I, I do my chants and, you know, mantras and stuff like that. And mm. I think it's spring Navaratri right now. Right. Yes, it's Sankar. Yeah, Sankar Matri. Yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah. how do you say it? How do you say it? It's Navratri. Okay, Navratri. Navratri. Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah. how how do we engage, you know, because people don't understand what the religion is about. And for example, when they go into the Hindu temple, and I take all my students, I make them go to through the temple. That's and wonderful. Visit and learn about the gods and goddesses and the planets, et cetera, and how that really put together gives them the consciousness about life and what they can do to the different aspects that can really enlighten them uh, and make life easier, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were to talk about that approach Mm -hmm. to connecting to the divine, Mm -hmm. what would you say to them? So one of the things, you know, Hinduism, of course, is so vast and Mm -hmm. there's so much scripture and there's uh, the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of our, you know, very sacred books is essentially the science of life, how to have good life. Basically, that's kind of what the premise is behind the Bhagavad Gita. But in a very simple way, if I had to explain to somebody, you know, Hindus believe that we have 8.7 million species of life forms on this earth, you know, and we go through as a a human being, you're going through these 8.7 million life species to get to becoming a human being. So it's like a cycle. And we reincarnate, we are reincarnating. So say right now I'm a human being. Before this, I might have been, uh, let's say, a monkey. And then before that, I was like a dog or maybe a plant or something like that. You know, I have got this opportunity as a human being to my, and my goal as a human being or for anybody, any of these species is to become one with God. That's the goal. Right. So when you get this human form, what are certain things you need to do? To become one with God, because we believe that our Atma, which is uh, our soul within us, is nothing but a small particle of the Supreme Being. And the end goal is to make that part after you die to go and become one with God. So we come into this life form or this human form. We don't come with a zero balance sheet. Our balance sheet, there's some good karmas and then there are some bad karmas. Karmas, right? Right. So our goal is to 
negate all the bad karmas, to take them away and make your good karma side extremely heavy. Because if your good karmas are very heavy and that's what you have, then your soul is pure, it's done the right thing and it's ready to meet with God. Right. That's called moksha. So we are trying to achieve moksha. Moksha, and, all right. Yeah. Right? So we have an opportunity of a lifetime, which is being a human being where we can know between right and wrong. We can actually differentiate. We can choose the right way of living. It's giving us the opportunity. It's a high life form. So this is a beautiful opportunity. Now, if I did bad things or, you know, that's what I believe in. If I did bad things and I was a bad person, my, my bad karma list is becoming very heavy. And I have to go through this whole cycle, cycle of again, right? <laughs> to come to this point. So I need to be really good. <laughs> right. And then, you know, being, so, good, being good doesn't take that much, I think, you know. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's all about not hurting people. So in, in Hinduism, you know, we really believe that we shouldn't, and, it, and not, in, not just Hinduism, I think it's every religion, right? A, being a good human being, you know, requires you to do right by everybody, not hurt their feelings, to keep, you know, your life positive, to have a very, uh, there's another word that we use, a sattvic life, you know, sattvic is trying to do as, try to be as sustainable as you can be and try to be as uh, what you put into your body. You need to eat like things that don't give you very hot, like, you know, hot energy or hot vibes, you know, so something that's very cooling, calming. So creating that type of an environment for yourself and living that life gets you to that point. So to kind of sum it all up, essentially, I believe that from my belief in Hinduism is to be a good human being and then go back and try to be one with God. So I hope after I die, (laughs) I'm going to be with him. (laughs) Well, that, that is aspiration, right? That we come to this life and experience the things that God has given us. And we have a beautiful world if we were to appreciate it even more and and not mess it up the way we've been trying to a lot of other things. But I think we have an opportunity to really make things better, not for only ourselves, but for other people that our families, our friends and other relationships. And as we lift each other up, then we are able to also, it's almost like a vibration that goes around everyone else in the world benefits from that experience that is right so that is so right what is your vision for women and children and when i focus on women and children people say ah but what about us i know (laughs) my only process is focusing on women and children i'm sure there are other people who would focus on men as well so of course you know i think all all us human beings we need each other but as a woman, you know, we have been, you know, they said God, when God made a, a woman, when he was, you know, making her, he needed to really spend time because not only does this form or this being need to just, you know, it's not, the, not, not that she needs to be just intelligent. She also needs to have grace. She needs to have forgiveness. She needs to be nurturing. There are so many elements. Uh, we are wired very differently uh, from men, you know. And a lot of women now, I mean, what is it that a woman cannot do? Right. If you really look at it, she has the strength. She can lift mountains if she wants to <laughs> move them. So there is so much that a woman can do. But I think 
one of the biggest things and we all you know many of us you know who have you know as a mother as a mother you know to a child one of the most important things you can do is to be a very good teacher to your child you know show her, show the children the right path show them what it is what what good looks like if and i, I think our children are consistently learning they're like little sponges especially right. when they're little the first teacher a child has is his mother You know, that is true and and i think it should be equally balanced right because it's not only teaching girls certain things and teaching boys certain things absolutely. we must teach our boys to be responsible children as well right absolutely absolutely and i think uh, these days you know like we talked a, l- a little bit earlier about social media and we talked about uh, you know the technology i think the world is becoming smaller now and there's so much out there i mean even look at this podcast that we're having today it's so amazing because you're reaching so many different people and whatever i learned how to be a good mother was from my mother i didn't have other resources or i didn't like you know listen to a lot of different tapes or read a lot of books if i feel i'm a good mother <laughs> we should ask my daughter that but i feel that today there's so much available like people who are a little bit lost who maybe have not have the, the best relationship with their own mothers or people who who actually have you know other women to help them and nurture them they find the resources they find these groups for help and there are resources right and and one of the things i say is that life cannot be sustained in the on this planet without women Yes. And so, so that's power right there. I mean That is so powerful. Yes. Right. And so mm-hmm. if we were just to admit that and look at it and say, okay, this is how I'm going to engage from now on, we yes. can solve a lot of the issues out there that is plaguing <laughs> us and make things better, right? Because as you mentioned, we are the nurturers. Now there are men who are nurturers, but as we look at volume, Yes. You know, we are the naturists. So. Absolutely. In fact, uh, so I you know, I I question, you know, what would world look like if it was run by women, you know? <laughs> it would be a very different we, landscape. We can start that conversation, right? <laughs> and and see, you know, there are countries out there that are run by women and you know, yeah. the, the, the sentiment of yeah. vibration is very different over there so very different and i can give some examples we have a system here in this country and it it amazes me that you know as a first world country and a powerful one at that that we are lagging behind in how power is shared among absolutely women. you know I, so. you know it's a, it's so right because i compare india and it actually india being a very you know heavily do, you know democratic country they had their one of their prime ministers early on the first one was indira gandhi you know? right and a woman prime minister and we still haven't had one so we should now wish for one here america is still a very young country you know right the young country compared to the other countries so it's it's going to get there <laughs> well, yeah I, i'm i'm all for that i'm all for yes. that and we should we should get together you see i think sometimes yeah. we women cut each other off a little bit too much yeah. but if we were to put some ideologies aside and re- really look at the bigger picture we'll be able Absolutely. to put a woman president in in office one day yeah. soon 
knock on wood, knock on wood. Knock on wood, yes. <laughs> so we'll manifest we, it. Put it out there in the universe. Right. It's out there. It's out there. I'm all for it. I'll probably, you know, sign up to uh, campaign for, you know, that person. So Absolutely. as we close, Sonia told me, you know, you're a woman of power and grace. And <laughs> as our conversation has presented, I see all the tools you use to, you know, bring that to your life and other, uh, the lives of the people who you engage with, including the people who work for you, et cetera. Because I, when you wrote your bio, you mentioned that specifically, yes. that, you know, the people that are around you are also yes. like part of the family. So they, they are the most important things. I mean, today we actually relocated ourselves from Connecticut to Florida to be close to my daughter. And I cannot tell you that it would not have been possible had it not been for my amazing team of uh, my employees. I mean, they are my family here. They're truly my family. And they knew that I needed to make this step happen for my own, you know, life and for my growth. And it took me uh, like they've, they've known my plans. I'm very open with them. I keep telling them about what I want to do next and how I want to improve myself and, you know, grow. And they are running my business in Connecticut and they're doing a fabulous job because without it, this would not be possible. That's you know? wonderful. So they are so cool. They're such, such lovely group of people, very, very smart and very, very, you know, giving. But, you know, I, I think this all happens when we also give, right? Because it's not happening in, in isolation, like, yeah. you know, you are this person and then these people just got up and wanted to give to you is because you're giving that they are also returning that same. And we talk about vibration that is flowing back and forth. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. So who is a woman of power and grace to you? You know, I'm actually very lucky because I'm surrounded by a lot of them. Many, and I, I think that every single person that I have come across in my life who has been a woman has been, has, you know, some power or the other. There's always something about someone that is so uh, strong that it actually comes through. Most of the women I have met have been like amazing and so gracious, you know, with themselves, with their time. I think like you said, when you give that type of love to everybody, you get that type of love back. I've always seen, to me, I think I'm wired, but I need to, I always see the positive in everybody. In fact, I have some of my employees say that you're way too trusting. What is going on? (laughs) You know, know, they kind of, you know, hold me back. They kind of, you know, protect me and they save me sometimes. And, but I, I just can't help myself, but see the positive side of everybody. But the one person that I definitely want to mention who I have learned the most in my life from has been my mother. She, the, the, the kind of life she has led, she is, you know, many people measure power with the achievements that they have had, you know, oh, I, I did this in my career, I grew, I did, you know, I became this person, I have so much success. I, when I look at her life, she didn't have a career per se, but she made everything else, you know, it, she put in the same amount of effort anybody would put in their careers into her own self-growth. She learned to drive because she had little kids that she wanted to take 
to you know different classes different, exactly like that. exactly she with that driving skill just so she said i learned to drive because i had to take you guys to all your different classes and i didn't want to you know wait on the drivers and everything to come and take you so i i will i learned driving but just because she learned to drive and in that community at that time she was the only one driving she would drive all these different women to the temple she's like okay you can't go to the temple but that doesn't mean you know i can't take you so let me take you so she would take them to bhagavad gita classes and to enhance themselves she would drive you know these group of women everywhere she learned how to be with how to stretch the dollar right so she had limited number of funds but anyone who came to our house felt that we were millionaires mm-hmm. just because of the way she carried herself just because of she always said buy quality don't buy quantity you know right right buy quality things buy that one thing that's going to last too long the way she keeps the house you know so like you know cleanliness organization there's so much i can just the list can go on right. so she has so much power within her and then on top of that she's very humble she doesn't like to you know be flamboyant about things you know everybody looks up to her and the respect that she has in the community the the love that she gets from my entire extended family our own family everybody looks up to her she handles everybody with so much grace and positivity so she's my woman of power and grace that's beautiful and she, and as i said i don't know her yet but i i hope to meet her someday because she will love you and you will love her i can I, i'm sure that. i'm sure that that's going to be wonderful because yeah. for all the things you're talking about it's how we all grew up at least i did right that the women exemplars you know in our Exemplars, family yes. right so uh, the people we look to our role models came from our fam- our mothers and our grandmothers etc right and so Absolutely. i'm i'm so 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 appreciative of you highlighting this for us because we don't want to reach out there to find who our role models are Absolutely. Right? they are yes. right in front of us and full of power and grace yes. Right. Yes. You know, well, when you well, when you look at yourself and then you know you realize you know like when you said uh, when you wrote that question to me I didn't have to think too far right I just kind of instantly knew my gut was like this is it you know because if I look at myself and who I have become it's all because I copied her right. I followed her path and it's made me a much better person a much better you know listener a good mom because of who she has been you know so she's my best teacher <laughs> that's that's beautiful and on that note i want to thank you very very much for making time i know we kind of try to reschedule schedule and stuff like that but we made it work and thank you know so for much. me i say that is power right there when we can make things happen right absolutely and to all the women exemplars out there thank you thank you thank you for bringing this wisdom to us and our children and grandchildren and i'll see you in a couple of weeks thank you for thank listening you. thank you so much bye